0: You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce
1: chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com.
0: This episode is an interview of Harlan Hudson, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Chargebacks 911. He's interviewed by Scott Pinsker.
1: Welcome to Thought Leadership in the FinTech Revolution. Brought to you by the number one chargeback management team on planet Earth, Chargebacks 911. I am Scott David Pinster, and I'll be your pilot while we take a trek down the fintech wormhole. For today's show, we'll be joined by Harlan Hudson, the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Brands at Chargebacks 911. Harlan, welcome to the program.
0: I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Scott. Great to talk with you.
1: Oh, I'm thrilled to be talking to you because I've been trying to book to you and and talk to you for like forever. I mean, we were originally going to talk a month ago and everything got delayed. And then you, you went on to another show and other people wanted to talk to you. And therefore, my opening question, Harlan, what the hell do you do at Chargebacks 911? And why are you apparently the most important man who ever lived? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's very flattering of you to say, and uh, I'll, I'll just uh, disabuse you from that and say it's untrue. I hope I contribute something, right? My, my raison d'etre, my reason for being is all about helping our clients, our end customers, right? That would be really across the ecosystem of uh, chargeback world right? From issuers, acquirers, all the way down to enterprise merchants. My objective is always to to learn more about the problems our clients are trying to solve and then find uh, tools and uh, services and products, all of that kind of thing that can help them better understand what's coming in as far as chargeback is concerned and then ultimately to solve that problem so that the revenue leakage due to chargebacks is actually mitigated and we return revenue to our our great clients because we have we have some of the most phenomenal clients on the planet and I'm I'm very proud to uh, work with many of the the biggest brands so that that's what I do
1: okay i think i get it um if, if I were to try to, to, to reconvey uh, what, what you're saying is that if, if I had a company and I needed help, I turned to you, you would learn what I do, how I make a profit, the, the 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 methodology of my profit model, and then you'd find out where I'm hurting financially, where I'm vulnerable, where you know I might be defrauded, or where I'm losing revenue. I might not even be aware of it, and you would help me with your with your knowledge of of the the e-commerce ecosystem and where the bodies are, and what what parts to avoid, and and the danger areas, and the and the parts where you know you, you're, you're particularly vulnerable. You would kind of take me by the hand and make sure that I can I can put my mind and my energy on doing what I'm really passionate about growing my company uh, while protecting me from all that chargeback ugliness. Uh,
0: Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. I love the term chargeback ugliness, right? So when we think about talking with clients and understanding who they are, what they do, et cetera, et cetera, we're really looking into the problem that they need to solve. The, The one thing or the two things that are most important to them in terms of what we do that they're looking to solve and and so really the whole thing starts with uh, a discovery process right you have to build relationships with people and and oftentimes of course those are just you know, very, very uh, basic and kind of at the surface, depending upon how much you know they they want to share with you. But as you go deeper, you begin to understand their concerns, their complaints, all of the ways in which they struggle with this thing called chargebacks, and it's actually a really big deal. Even though, as a percentage of the overall business, perhaps it's a small percentage. But it really, really comes down to how can we help you solve this problem? Not just by like, like disputing a chargeback when it comes in, but really helping them understand what's going on in their business that might be leading to chargebacks.
1: Okay. Well, if you begin at the foundation, then I've got a foundational question for you, Harlan. Before, awesome. you, became, before you became a chargeback champion, what did you do professionally? What was your foundation?
0: That's a that's a great question. Uh, Originally from Denver, Colorado. Love the mountains. Come on, let's go skiing. I'm ready for summer to be over. Born in Colorado. Uh, Grew up in a musical family. Um, My my dad and mom uh, had a little group that they uh, sang and played in and they were quite talented. And uh, so so I had music. From the very beginning, that foundational piece of my life was all about loving music, singing, and then eventually playing music. And I went on to get a degree in music uh, at the University of Michigan, oh, decades ago because I'm I'm getting older now, and uh, and I love music of all types. I play the bass. I play many different variants of uh, the bass. I my main instrument is the stand-up bass, or some people would call it the string bass, the contrabass, whatever. But I also play electric bass, I've play played jazz, I've played Western Swing, I've played lots of classical, i played in some professional orchestras early in my career. And uh, it, it, it's been a, a wild ride, actually. Uh, I love everything related to art, whether that's uh, uh, ballet, uh, opera, uh, any kind of art that involves music is is a passion of mine that I, I
1: continue to pursue today,
0: albeit on the more avocational
1: level. Well, very cool. For, for your mom and dad, what, uh, what genre did they perform in?
0: Uh, you know what? It was in the late 50s, early 60s. So they were all about folk music, right? So if you think about maybe some people know uh if i had a hammer for example or uh any of those old folk songs they were that was that was big in that era right coming out of the 50s and into the 60s they they were the pre-rock and roll generation i would say (laughs) and so uh but they gave birth to uh uh two different sons who had two different views on it. My brother was a rocker. And uh, you know, early on in the the uh, pretty crazy Jimi Hendrix era, he was he was big into that. And then I evolved into more of a classical music nut and love classical music. And and uh, so so I think I think the beauty of music is that it appeals to people of all different types. They they really 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 uh, every person really has a bent a musical bent right whether you play music or whether you just you know sort of listen to it casually or you dance to it everybody knows what they like and certainly in our family we had very different ideas about what that was uh, so they were all folk and I was all classical and my brother was all rock at the time so. Uh, interesting very interesting
1: yeah it's wild how with all the different genres there's always like you know one one you know one area of the of the lyrical you know sheet or 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 you know some people be drawn to an accordion some people gravitate to the the guitar from country to rock to folk to to, you know some of the things that are more you know linked to, to to country of origin with the, with the incredible variety, it, it's, it's shocking to me how you've got talented people who can convey an emotion or an idea or a thought in a way that you've never even contemplated before, and they do it with beauty and with passion, and when you hear it done right, I mean, maybe I'm sure we'll be touching on the parallel between, you know, between trying to have a functioning rock band and, and navigating that and having a functioning company. But what they definitely have in common when they do it right, you can really tell like it's obvi- you don't I can't play anything, Harlan. I'm, I'm jealous of people like you that can you know, <laughs> play a million different things. I can't. I I, I love it from afar. I, I dream of it. You know, I mean, I'm I'm Scotty Van Halen in, in, in my, you know, late at night when I'm dreaming. But <laughs> But when you, when you watch it done right, you don't have to know how to do it. You know that you loved it. And when you're watching a company performing well, you don't really have to know how the CEO delegated to CFO and all that, you know, and it works well. Like it's just, yeah. it's intuitive. It'll hit you over the head, almost like if you had a hammer.
0: Yep. Uh, hey, great, great segue to the idea that really, when we think about um, the way a band works, uh, for example, or the way the uh, an orchestra works, uh, any kind of a piece like that, a jazz trio. I mean, I I could go on and on, but you have different elements making up the whole, right? So uh, in a jazz trio, for example, and I, I used to play in one where we would have a drummer, uh I'm playing stand-up bass, right? And then you might have a saxophone player, maybe soprano sax, maybe tenor, maybe whatever, right? So you'd have this little trio. And if you added a piano to that, you've got a fourth instrument. In a symphony orchestra, you've got 108 pieces, right? Different people playing, in some cases, many different parts and many different instruments. It's the same way in business, right? What what I find so fascinating about business is that it's really a big orchestration of people to move in one direction, to play on one sheet of music, to understand that piece as a whole but also play your individual role. And that, Scott, I think is really the key to a successful business, right? If you can understand your role and you have a leader that allows you to play that role in harmony with the rest of the, the group, yeah, you've got, a, you've got a recipe for success right there. As long as you have a good piece of music, Let, maybe that's a, a, an important piece is there,
1: there as well. No, I like it. I like the idea of everything working together. That if you have a band and everyone's playing lead guitar, you probably have a pretty crappy band. Even if even if the people playing the guitar are brilliant, like you really need the complement. Uh, you need the bass. You need the drum. You need the lead. You need you know it, it's when it's funny. You could have a band with four people, and if you add them up individually, they're like one plus two plus three plus four. Uh, but right. then collectively, you add them together, and suddenly they're fifty. Like they, uh, absolutely. They just they you know they, they they'll melt everyone, they'll blow everyone away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, there, there's no question about it. I I was listening to, I don't know, uh, you know, our listeners and I don't know how old you are, but a band from my era was Boston, right? Oh, and sure. uh and I, I loved Boston when I was a kid, coming out of high school and uh, in my senior year, you know, uh, more than a feeling, right? And if you listen closely to what those guitar players do when they go off on a solo, right? It's really more like, it's more like a duo, but, but every piece of that band is completely in sync, playing their part. And with if you take one piece away, Right, it's like you've completely changed uh, the the sound, the feeling. Right, which is what you described well as part of music. It's all about feeling. It's the same thing with uh, with business. Right, with with our company, for example. If if uh, I make a sale, but the setup team doesn't, you know, they, they just ignore the client. Guess what? We're not going to set up the the account. We're not going to play in harmony, and we're not going to accomplish what we need to accomplish for that client and and I learned this early on after I uh, more or less uh, pivoted out of the music business as a player I then established an entertainment company and I would produce shows I would uh, I would promote shows uh, you know so I, I had the the total look at how you not only bring players together, whether it's uh, putting up a musical theater piece, which I did numerous times, or whether it's bringing in an act to perform for people, uh, you know, a a well-known act, for example, whether it's part of that, but it's all got to work together. So there's the business side, there's the musical side, there's the setup, there's the teardown, there's the, I mean, it, it all is analogous, to be quite honest, with you to what we do today at Chargeback911, to right? It's, it's, it's a coordination, it's, a, it's, it's really, uh, you gotta have, have somebody coordinating the whole thing and people playing their part and playing it well. And, and I think that's what we do better than anything else
1: yeah i'd agree with you i i i am uh, i do want to kind of uh, go back to you, you mentioned working with a lot of different uh different bands different uh, musicians who did you get to work with and who really blew you away i'll tell you
0: my favorite was tony bennett um <laughs> this is gonna this was in the let's see i want to say it was two thousand three or two thousand two he was by that time probably in his 80s and tony bennett of course is an old uh, i would i would say he's a, a one of the, the world-famous crooners, right? Everybody would recognize his uh, uh, I Left My Heart in San Francisco, right? That sure, a yeah, classic yeah. song, uh, classic voice. Here's a guy that's been in the business now, you know, back in 2003 or whenever when I was uh, working with my other, my other friend on this. And, and this guy comes out and I got to tell you, there's, there's a piano player, upright bass player, Tony Bennett and I think he had a sax I mean I'm a sax player but these guys come on and I gotta tell you sold out house and they blew us away and he could still nail those really really high tough notes all the way out through the night I think he did three encores never cracked his voice never cracked one time Right. Wow. And it, it was amazing. And, and you know, I, I, I think about uh, the 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 longevity of these some of these bands, like the Rolling Stones, for example, of course, the uh, sad that the, their drummer, uh, you know, just died a few days ago, actually. But uh, he was 80 years old. I told my wife, I said, that guy was 80 years old. And it wasn't that long ago when they were still on the road, right? So you can still keep that edge. You can still keep going, right? Whether you're the Doobie Brothers or the Stones or uh, Tony Bennett or whatever. And I, I got to tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's astonishing how much uh, power, uh, age, and experience brings greater clarity and depth to the musical experience. It, it, it's stunning. So Tony Bennett, I, I think is my all time favorite. Um, you know, I could talk about others, but I, I just wanna say that, that there's a guy who who lived up to his legend
1: status. Very cool. I never get an opportunity to watch Tony Bennett, but I've, you know, I've got a lot of appreciation from the, you know, the Rat Pack generation and, and that style, you know, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. I got to do PR for Dina Martin, uh, the daughter of Dean Martin a little bit, she yeah. did uh, some stuff in Tampa Bay. Um, now Harlan, I got to flip it around though. If, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, Tony Bennett, uh, who fortunately didn't drag around Lady Gaga when he performed with you, but, uh, but uh, just, <laughs> you know, who, who like was a real letdown when you watched, them perform like maybe they had a bad attitude or maybe they weren't into it or or maybe you know age caught up with them or you know maybe they had difficulty metabolizing ethanol <laughs> You know,
0: <laughs> well that's a that's a great question i i can't say that i i'll i'll say this every performer that i've had the privilege to work with has has, has really every time has has done the deal because when I was doing it, uh, you know, it was only A-list, uh, you know, folks. But, but in reality, I think I think it's often not the performer. I, I'm just gonna d- just get real honest with you. I, I saw a concert with Shania Twain, uh, and I was not involved in this this concert. But uh, years ago, Shania Twain again. This is probably 2008ish in California, and uh, Buddy and I went and saw. The United Twain concert. and 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 of course, she was she was amazing. She had, I don't know, four or five warm up bands before she she came out. but I, I'll tell you, the sound was awful. the uh-huh. the 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 sound text ruined the whole experience for me, for my buddy, and I think for a lot of people. and uh, and and really, it's often not. The the performers that are the problem. It's often some technical issue. It's often uh, you know uh, uh, how should I say it? A, a a philosophy of of running sound that that uh, I, I think is detrimental to the artists themselves. And so for me, it was that was probably one of the biggest uh, letdowns that that I've had in my my musical career. So uh, and that's hard because. I'm pretty positive about the the musical life right like I love performers and and I give a lot of grace to performers but that was that was really hard to listen to to be quite honest with you
1: yeah, I, I've worked with a lot of people in, in entertainment on the PR end of it, not on the technical end or, or you know, like I can't talk their language the way you can. Uh, but, you know, peripherally, when you're we're watching them prepare, there are there are performers that would they would do the sound check and they do it more than one time and they'd work it through and it would be really, really important to them to check it all out beforehand. And there are other people who would blow in. And if it was great, good. If not, they really didn't care. And, yeah, and there are a few people that I work with that, you know, I, I'll, I'll differ with you on that you know like like david cassidy of uh, the partridge family um Mm -hmm. about a year and a half before he died uh he he did a show here in tampa bay and and it was a real bummer like we put a lot of work and a lot of crap into and a a lot of people had a lot of affinity and love in their heart for the show and they grew up on the partridge family and and they're really looking forward to meet him and and he i I think mentally he had deteriorated um unfortunately Mm -hmm. and And there have been a few other times where, you know, like you book the Isley brothers and and each brother would have to be on a different floor in a hotel because they don't really get along. You know, like you run into weird stuff like that. For the most part, though, I I really enjoy talking to the entertainers that wrote their own material. Uh, cause a lot of times that they're, they're like a little bit deeper than the people who kind of, you know, they'll parrot a sheet that, that got handed to them or it was written for them. You know, the people that yeah. create their own material that develop it that way, you know, usually they're, they're a pretty deep river, you know, they've got, they've got a lot churning underneath there. Oh, for
0: sure. I, you know what, uh, this, this is really, I think an important point, uh, not, not just about. Not just about music. I think it's it, it it runs the gamut of human endeavor and human success. Those who are most passionate and most um, uh, dedicated to to the the music, to their art, their craft, their business, whatever it. The, those people are absolutely one hundred percent the people that are going to bring it every time, and they're going to make sure that every. Piece of what they do, every note, every uh, you know strum of the guitar, or you know uh, uh, note on the bass, whatever it is, those people are going to to be conveying the absolute passion that they have for the music, and for those that are listening to them, because you have to remember that that people come and listen, right, and they often are paying a premium especially for these really really uh high listed bands like the rolling stones i mean u2 and and those you know later eras sure. uh but but in reality uh that that shows a lack of respect i think if you don't care both about what you're doing on the, on the stage right and also what the people are hearing because uh, really it's it's You don't have a great band without great fans.
1: Yeah. Uh, And in a band, you can only have one lead at a time, right? Like you can have in a band, one Mick Jagger, uh, one David Lee Roth, one John Bon Jovi, one Robert Plant, one Eddie Vedder. You know, it's like Highlander. You know, there can only be one. (laughs) In the corporate world, can you run a company without a dynamic leader? Do you kind of need a lead singer within a company?
0: You know, I, I think every human organization needs a leader. Right. And and, and I, I just want to call out that I think that our, our company has has uh, passionate leadership, uh, leaders that are dedicated to solving the problem, leaders that are dedicated to Understanding um, how this is impacting the people, the fans, if you will, or clients, right? I'm sort of making that shift and, and uh, in an analogy, but but in reality, understanding how this is impacting them, right? Just as poorly managed, uh, you know, audio sound, you know audio presentation can impact someone like me right? The same is true for, uh, you know, a poor customer experience for clients, right? And and we do everything we can. And it starts at the top to, to give a great customer experience to our clients. We are dedicated to their welfare and their well-being, the well-being of their their accounts, their merchant accounts, et cetera, et cetera. And and we want to do the best job possible. Hey, we're human. Everybody's human, right? Every singer, every musician, uh, you know, misses a note or misses a chord or, or whatever it is. Everybody does it. Every company does it. There's no perfect company out there. But it's not perfection it's progression right it's moving it forward it's constantly be trying to make it better and i think that's that's what exemplifies uh our company chargeback 911 and and our sister company
1: fi911 as well sure and and you kind of took leadership around and, and and made it a plural you know talking about a group of leadership and i, I think that could actually apply within a band and in the corporate world too uh because theoretically in a band you're all working together and you're all part of a team and and you know <laughs> one for one and all for one and all that but very often you're going to have a unique two-man partnership or two-woman partnership that that'll often emerge i'm talking like you know like page and plant and led zeppelin or or perry and tyler and aerosmith you know like an internal dynamic that can it can overshadow the other people you know uh, and and in a in a company and in a a band how do you make sure to to acknowledge and accommodate the the different egos of all the people in your team because mm -hmm. everyone's got a role to play Everyone's equal in one way, but often in terms of the burden for for figuring out what path you're going to go forward, it, it's really not about equality. It's about leadership. It's about vision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it,
0: uh, I love this discussion. I, thanks for allowing me to have this discussion because it, it brings together two of my my most passionate things right uh business and specifically chargebacks but also uh music and and recently i've been reading up a little bit on uh the Lennon and mccartney uh sort of relationship right which is of course the the famous sure. beetle uh the beatles uh co-writing duo right well in reality that that Pretty quickly deteriorated, and there was a lot of animosity, uh, you know, between those two. But but what was interesting about it in later albums, um, George Harrison, for example, began to come into his own as a songwriter, right? Uh, Ringo Starr as well, right? Now now they were never, I don't think, going to be, you know, what what the other two were going to be. But I think as the and this is, I think this is analogous to the way it works in business sometimes. When, when the two leaders, let's call them, you know, the Lennon McCartney thing, the, the leadership team of songwriting and this and that, when that started to crack, it's almost as if that that crack, created an opportunity for uh, another plant to grow, right? Another uh, George Harrison, right? Song or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, behind it all though, even more interesting is I think it was George Martin, right? Sir George Martin uh, that he was kind of the, the, I'll call him the, the orchestra or band leader, you know, he kind of, kind of took on the role of, of, uh, coordinating and trying to keep them together as long as possible. And of course we, we know that they, they eventually, you know, sort of completely fractured and, and, uh, went their separate ways, but in the end there had to be a leader, but there were, there were within, so there's the big leader. And then within the songwriting, there were the original leaders. And then as it cracked a little bit, these other people came up. And 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 pretty soon you have people as they get more confident and, and understand the business or the music or whatever, they come up as well and they start taking a piece of the responsibility because there's no organization, uh, CB911, uh, you name it, Uber. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't care which one you are. You cannot, as one person, run Uber, right? Without, you know, a series of five leaders under you taking different pieces, and then leaders under them, and then it, if you do not cultivate leadership all the way down to the most, you know. Uh, Green employee, the, the the most recent hire, if you do not communicate that in your space, the people that you're dealing with, if you're not showing the leadership of caring, of of understanding the problem that's trying to be solved, et cetera, et cetera, eventually that will break apart. And uh, I think that our team, and I'm, I've been privileged to be on this team now going on seven years, our team team has consistently stepped up and uh, taken taken leadership where appropriate and uh, and I, I'm very proud to say that that I, I think we've done a great job
1: well, I, I, you look at the track record for Chargebacks nine one one. I think we're up to like nearly two point five billion online transactions protected each year in nearly ninety yep. countries globally, which is just phenomenal. I, you shake your head; you can't even wrap your head around figures that large. But yep. you know, we Chargebacks nine one one Fi nine one one. They're they're making it. They're doing great. They're helping a lot of people. You've got other companies out there that are that are going through a tough time, particularly. In the in the COVID age, and I don't even know if we're out of it yet with the Delta variation and then what <laughs> happened. You know, I'm 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 baffled. Like I I I used to think that okay, the light will be at the end of the tunnel. You get the vaccine, things will be better. I I I don't know what'll be happening in half a year. Neither do the the people running you know the large companies on on you know in Silicon Valley or anywhere else. We're we're all trying to figure it out in in real time. And you know, while we've got things that we can't control, there are things that we definitely can control. And among that, Harlan, why do you think? bands fail and why do you think companies fail because the majority of them aren't going to be chargebacks nine one one. you know the majority of them don't become you know moving over a billion transactions you know each month and just you know it just it, the majority of them aren't on that level the majority of them are are a lot of people are really struggling right now a lot of people are really hurting and they don't know how to make it better they're they're trying to come up with that hit you know they, they've got yeah. the song sheet in front of them they, they need a hit yep
0: yeah I, I, I you know that that that's a great question so I, I think it's all boils down and you know uh, I, I don't want to make such an absolutist statement but let me let me rephrase it then it certainly boils down in large part to motivation what's your motivation right I think Paul McCartney regardless of whether he would have hooked up with John Lennon or, you know, Ringo or George Harrison or George Martin, right? I think Paul McCartney was going to be a, a hit songwriter, singer, band guy, right? I mean, he just was. He, he was motivated, right? And talented. But more than that, he was motivated. And, and I think that, that it all boils down to what's your motivation? If you're, and I've watched this, uh, I, have, I have had four companies in the past. I still have a technology company that is working, that I don't work in the business anymore, but, but uh, it's still going because people are very motivated, right? If you have people who in the end, are motivated to solve a problem they're talented at solving that problem and their entire working life goes into doing that thing they're going to succeed it may take them a long long time you know it's the old saying of i became an overnight success in 30 years Right. Right, right? It's that it's that concept. Right. But in reality, it's true for it's true for singer, songwriters, band players, whatever. It's also true in business. Right. If you have a company and I, I think it starts at the very founding and this is what I love about our company, our founders. Right. They had a motivation to solve a problem. And, and it started out really as a, as, a, as a problem that they were suffering under, they had a merchant business, they were selling online, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they started getting chargebacks, right? And they had a problem and, and you know what? They wanted to succeed in their business and they believed that unless we solve this problem, unless we solve the chargeback problem for ourselves, we're gonna go out of business, right? So they had a motivation. They had, they wanted to succeed and this was standing in their way and they decided we're going to just tackle this problem. And then Monica, uh, who is our COO and co-founder and really at the lead of developing the processes and the technologies that surround what we do today, she tore apart the chargeback process, right? She read all the rules from Visa, MasterCard, American Express. She tore it apart. And what did she do? She put together, first of all, the human processes that are required to understand the chargeback and, you know, know what the rules are and the compliance and all that kind of stuff. And then she built with her team a technology, right? To automate, to to, uh, to run machine learning algorithms, to analyze the data, to use that data to solve the problem. And And really that motivation came out of, I got to solve this for my own company. But now come oh maybe 10 years ago all of a sudden she's doing such a good job they're doing that is Gary and Monica are doing such a good job solving this problem for their own company other companies are being sent to them by their acquirer their processor saying hey these guys have the same problem can you help them and by 2012 they're just they're just so many opportunities to help other people and this is where it becomes Uh, We would say viral now, but this is where it becomes an expanding business, a business that's going to go to scale because they've they've found a problem that no one was solving, and they've solved it. And they solved it because they were motivated to do so. So I think it all boils down to motivation. You know, it's that 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration, right? Now, don't get me wrong. There's tremendous talent. Uh, in both Gary and Monica. But the reality is, is that without the motivation, they would have been solving some other problem. So it, 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 it's true for bands. It's true for our company as well. And those that don't uh, succeed, and I'll just leave it at this, are, are simply trying to get into business to maybe be wealthy, uh, maybe be, you know, sort of, Important. You know, who knows what that motivation is, but it's the wrong motivation. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they fail.
1: No, I I think there's a a huge difference between an ego driven motivation internally and an external one where you're motivated by helping other people and trying to make sure they're not going to be hurt the way you were hurt. And for, you know, for Monica Eden Cardone and the leadership at Chargebacks 911 and FI911, clearly you're talking about, you know, highly passionate people, highly intelligent people, highly motivated people. But I wonder, Harlan, I'm going to gently push back against you a little bit here. I wonder if you need more than that. And going back to Paul McCartney, you're talking about look I, I'm not going to knock Paul McCartney Paul, Paul McCartney is a deity and I am a mere mortal who, who doesn't deserve to, <laughs> to you know touch his breadcrumbs that he drops on the floor I mean he's on a, a plateau far beyond I mean you know I mean good lord but I, I do note that you're dealing with a guy who you think about all the everything that he wrote all the all the classics that he wrote that'll live on forever he pretty much finished by age 40 you know, like he he wrote them all before age 40. And after that, you'd think about all the emotions that he could draw upon uh, age, wisdom, his children getting older, uh, uh, John Lennon yeah. dying, George dying, um, yeah. you know, the, the world changing. And and that with the with the mental data bank that he had of, of all, you know, how to perform, how to play, how to write. You would think that, you know, why why wasn't he productive from age, you know, 40 to 60, like like. It, yeah. I don't, I, maybe you need more than passion and maybe you need more than motivation. Cause I think there are a lot of people out there, particularly in the corporate world, particularly, you know, they're, they're an online merchant. They're, they're trying to move product online. They passionately want it, man. They they're motivated. They wake up early in the morning, dreaming of it, but they're hitting a roadblock. And mm-hmm. just like Paul McCartney couldn't click the way he could, you know, from 20 to 40, I I wonder if there might be a different kind of impediment preventing the, the entrepreneur of today that, yeah, you do need motivation. Yeah. You can't make it without passion, but maybe you really need to know what you're doing. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, the Beatles having, you know, a, a bodyguard looking after them, a, a George Martin, you know, uh, uh, Harlan, maybe you're the Colonel Tom Parker for uh, for the companies out there now. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, maybe maybe you need more than passion. You need more than motivation. You need to have someone who can show you what the hell you're doing wrong. Because uh, if you're working really hard in the wrong direction, you're not going to get where you want to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And, you know, that's a good question. I I hadn't really thought about that you know of course uh with regard to paul mccartney i hadn't really thought much about the that gap between say 40 and you know let's just say that's you know the wings paul mccartney and Wings era, right uh and and 60 of course he's much older than that now i'm not sure what that is it's hard to know for a guy like that i mean gosh i I I can't remember what his net worth is, but, you know, it's in, I'm sure the billions
1: at this oh, point It's huge. No, I mean, yeah, he's wealthy beyond. Yeah. But and, the majority of the wealth was built when he was younger.
0: Oh, it was built probably before he was 30. Right. right. So, so, so in reality, right. Like how does that, how does that affect your motivation? And, and that's a really good point. I think, Uh, I wouldn't pretend to know anything about what motivates him or doesn't motivate him. Uh, I know that, you know, he experienced some personal tragedy with his wife, et cetera, et cetera. So how did that shape him? Right. These are great questions that will go down to the ages and either you nor I have the answers to them, but I think it really, I think there are seasons for people. People have seasons. I mean, look at the Rolling Stones. They stayed, True to their thing. Uh, You know, really right up until very recently they were touring. I can't, I'm trying to think what the last tour date was. Um, They didn't break up. They, I'm sure they had their things. I mean, I I haven't really studied them, but they had their things just like everybody. But in reality, they had one vision, right? Maybe Paul McCartney had a different Vision. maybe maybe the breakup impacted them so hard and I, I think i think this is somewhat analogous to business because honestly people are um well they're human they're people right they're they're subject to uh the the vicissitudes of life uh the changes the you know motivations do change over time and what was important to you when you were 25 at 45 is not as important for whatever reason, right? And so, I, I think that's that's an important, uh, you know, distinction. And and I think that entrepreneurial companies that have lasted 10 years, like CB911, for example, I think that that is a sign of longevity. Why do I say that? Because in order to make it and and be successful for that time, right? and not take a bunch of bc money and you know all that but actually create a business that is profitable that is you know that is a going concern that's expanding that's growing that continues to evolve et cetera. Et cetera. i think you really you really really have uh uh a continuance of the original motivation when when a company, and I've seen this happen a lot, when a company becomes a public entity and they lose that entrepreneurial edge, yes, there are managers to drive it, but you do see a slowing uh, of the innovation oftentimes. Not always. Uh, Google is a good example of a company that has continued to innovate, but keep in mind their founders, even though it's a public company, have continued as Leaders within that company and drive that continued success. So I think it's all I, to your point. I think it's all based upon the leadership and the people. So Sergey Brin and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name uh, at Google. Those guys are driving it still. They're driving it, driving it, driving it, driving it, right? And I think the same is true for our company as well. And I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, honestly, but I think it'll be, it'll be. Years and years, maybe decades, that uh, our team will continue to drive success in this arena and and adapt, innovate. I mean that that's all what I, I think for a McCartney or for a you know Mick Jagger, Rolling Stones, for any of these uh, Tony Bennett we talked about. It's all about continuing to innovate. You mentioned Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Think about that
1: for just a second, right? Oh, I have. I have.
0: That was a brilliant, that was a brilliant stroke. Brilliant stroke. I don't know who came up with it. Probably, you know, the managers of the two, uh, you know, acts got together and said, man, uh, Lady Gaga would, yeah, this would be major for her, but oh, all for Tony Bennett, it'd be off the charts, blah, 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 whatever, right? The reality is they continue to motivate, be motivated rather, and then they innovate because that keeps the job interesting. Maybe, maybe you know, you lose interest over time if you don't continue to innovate, if you don't continue to write great songs, if you don't continue to work with other partners. I I don't know whether you're familiar with Yo-Yo Ma, but Yo-Yo Ma is a a great cellist. He's, He's probably... Uh, now the world's greatest living uh cello player right and what's interesting to watch with yo-yo ma is that he's done it all i mean i i often listen to his uh his set of uh, uh bach solo cello uh pieces right it's a very very well known set um and uh the the interesting thing about him is he started to kind of go out of the lane a little bit of decades ago, really. Uh, he started playing, uh, with, um, you know, some guys that would, uh, do more kind of country, Western folkish sounding stuff. And then he did a, kind of a holiday album and he had all these unique instruments. He had Alison Krauss singing a really beautiful thing. He had, he had uh, James Taylor come on, uh, singing, uh, singing, here comes the sun. Interestingly enough, a Beatles song that, I think that was a George Harrison song actually. Um, and, uh, he put this all in a holiday album. He had, he had, uh, People playing, uh, I think, bagpipes and and all this really unique stuff. It was an amazing, amazing album, right? And he has repeatedly throughout time shown that he's going to innovate musically by doing what? Bringing other people in who can add to. And I think it keeps his... I think it keeps his music fresh, alive. I think it keeps him fresh and alive, probably. And as you get older, you, you, you're, you're going to... That's an example, I think, of someone who has... Uh, Tony Bennett is the same thing, who has continued to grow and expand his base. And, and we do the same thing. I mean, we, we started out merchant-focused. That's CB911, right? And then as we saw the problem more holistically across the entire ecosystem from issuers to merchants, including acquirers and you know, card schemes and all this, we saw that the liabilities and the, the struggles resided in different uh, expressions, you could say, right? But But they all had struggles. And so then we started uh with uh helping acquirers and we developed an acquiring platform that is now used by some of the world's largest acquirers right we innovated we 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 weren't satisfied with with uh just doing this one thing at 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 a high level of, of success because we knew that if the acquirers were not uh efficient and doing their job at Peak and optimum performance then then the merchants wouldn't be able to either right so technology apis breaking out of the legacy systems right all that stuff that that is what keeps a company fresh it keeps them expanding it keeps them growing and moving and 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 all of that stuff is really important so the you know this conversation is really about how as an artist or how as a company do you maintain uh, a sense of growth and purpose as the world changes well you do it because you adapt you you innovate and you discover new things that you didn't know before
1: uh, yeah I think you might've really hit on something that we could, we could have like an entire show about the, the innovation and the adaptation that, um, I, that might be the magic ingredient, Harlan, that, that when I really, when I think back of like are musicians, that they'll have like one album that that'll blow you away and you'll love it and you'll, you'll keep it. And it'll, you know, you, you'll really cherish it, but you know, anything beyond that, it didn't really connect with you, but, You'll have other people who, other performers, they'll they'll grow each time, they'll develop each time. They'll 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 be aware of their environment and feed off of it, like like a symbiotic relationship with the world at large, where you know you're not continually doing one album after another, you're not, you know, doing one hit after another, you're not regurgitating old material over and over right. and over again. You're growing, you're changing, you're adapting, you're getting better. You know, while the people around you are getting better, you're adapting to it, and you know I, the the analogy between that and the corporate world couldn't be more clear. You know, if yep. if you don't adapt, you die. Particularly in tech, particularly online, and particularly in a medium where you can you can connect <laughs> to it 24 seven. If you're not Correct. aware of the world around you, you're dead in the water. And if you can't adapt to it, if you can't think creatively, and if you're not motivated to think creatively, I don't think you have a future and being an entrepreneur isn't for you. On the other Correct. hand, if you love to create, if you love to innovate, if you love to compete, if you really want to get better, if, if you know you finished an album and you loved it, it was a great album, you you know wonderful, well, what do I do now? I don't want to do that old album again. I already did it. I want to do a new album if you have well, that mentality, I, I think you really could be a superstar, whether it be in a rock band or in the corporate world.
0: Yeah. I, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, you know, that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a funny, it, it's a funny music in particular. And, and I'm now I'm thinking about about all the artists that we've sort of talked about, right? And those that have maintained and sustained over a long period of time have done just that, right? And I, I, I love the Beatles. So I'm gonna go back to to an example of that, right? Uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Band, right? I, I thought you were gonna go there. <laughs> and, and I mean, that is, I, I think, for them, life was getting pretty, and and I uh, I seem to recall I've read this life was getting kind of stable, right? And and uh, they they needed to mix it up. And who would have in our you know sort of marketing focus group world cool culture, right? Whatever. Who would have thought you could change the name of the band, have the same guys, right? <laughs> in the band and and completely blow it out and, 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 and literally, literally change the way people look at your band. I I just, I just, it's amazing. And, and, you know, that, that particular example is is i think uh, played out in many of the other examples we talked about certainly the Tony Bennett thing but yo-yo ma and and you know if you look at the truly great artists what have they done they've they've continued to to innovate they've they've changed it up they've surprised people right cuz people love surprise right and and in business people don't like bad surprises, but they love good surprises, right? They love it when you solve a problem that no one thought could be solved, right? And what we see in the FinTech space right now is we see a lot, we see a lot of movement, we see a lot of new companies and technologies. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I, I take a lot of this with a grain of salt because sometimes what we think is going to be, yeah, the winner, right? Uh, because it's new and it's shiny and it's you know moving forward and you know uh, all of that kind of stuff, you think, oh yeah, this is the this is the future. In reality, no, it's not the future. It's It's just a stepping stone to the real future, right? So cryptocurrency is cryptocurrency the next thing? Or is it really blockchain, right? And, and so we look at all of this and we say to ourselves, okay, so yeah, there's innovation, but what will stick over time? What are the problems that you're really solving with this innovation quote unquote, as opposed to just innovating for innovative sakes, right? Because I I think a lot of, a lot of artists, for example, and I know this is true. They, 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 they they have a hit kind of like to your point, and then they try and innovate by you know going like like crazy right and and it doesn't work and they stop there because it didn't work right and everybody has stuff that doesn't work but but those that survive continue to move they continue to innovate they continue to write new songs they continue to create new technologies new processes they they enter new uh, uh, sections of the market, whatever the, whatever the business is, because music is a business as much as financial services, chargebacks, whatever, it's a business. If you expand and innovate that's great you're gonna fail but if you get back up and do it again and learn from those mistakes and then innovate and solve a real problem or create a an album or a a, a song that hits the heartstrings of the people meeting their needs right sure you're gonna you're gonna succeed over the long haul so
1: yeah, well, talking about the financial end of it, you know, not not too long ago, there were a lot of legendary musicians who ended up broke. You know, they they loved rock and roll, they loved performing, they loved playing, they loved the women going wild, but they never really took ownership of the financial end of the equation. You know, they were purely about the passion. Today, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there and they're ending up broke too because they love developing and they love creating and they love marketing and they love the idea of getting their product out there and the, the ego gratification. And it's fun, but they won't take ownership of the chargeback problem. You yep. know, they, they're, they're blind to it. How do, you, yep. how, do you, how do you talk to people like that? How do you get them to, to quantify the enormity of the chargeback epidemic in, in electronic retail?
0: Well, look. Uh, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but there's an old saying <laughs> that until the pain right exceeds the cost of change, you're not going to change. You're just not going to change, right? If you don't see that that this that this problem is going to eat your lunch, right? You're not going to make. Uh, significant change. And that's true. That's true. Whether you're talking about business or your personal life or whatever, you've got to understand that there's pain involved here. And, and this is why when we have a, a discovery call with the client, it's like, okay, so tell us the problem you're trying to solve. Or in other words, what pain are you feeling? You know, it's a little bit, uh, and I can, I can say this, a chargeback is an interesting uh, Thing right, it's a chargeback is a symptom right? It's a symptom of a greater, potentially a greater disease. We don't treat symptoms. Okay, let's take a fever right. Okay, yes, you might actually, uh, you might actually uh, take a little bit of aspirin to reduce the fever and this and that and the other thing. But you have to treat the root cause, and I think that's the problem for most. People who don't address the chargeback problem, they don't realize it's a symptom, and that by solving the system, you can actually run your business better and you can be more efficient. And so, i i think I think the chargeback problem is more than just a small, uh, you know, returning of revenue. It's really about solving the bigger problem of what's going on in your business, and knowing that will lead to more efficiency. It will lead to greater profits. It will lead to understanding your business in a way that you've not understood it before because you have to look at the symptom and then discover the root cause. And that's what we do better than anything else. And there's a lot of ways we do it, but that is really, really the root of it it all.
1: Hmm. I like that. You you have to begin with the problem. If the people, if you're not aware of the problem, you're probably not too keyed into the solution to the problem. Like you, you have to almost be confronted with it. Hey, you're leaking money. Do you like money? Do you want to keep right. money? Are you aware that yep. money can be traded for goods and products? <laughs> if you're if you're not aware of the problem, you're not going to be open to the solution to the problem, and maybe just like companies go bankrupt because they have blinders on, they're only focused on the right now and what they're doing, you know, within the current timeline, like a band, you know, you have one hit album and, 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 you know, that song was a hit. So you have to do a carbon copy of it for the follow-up album, you know, maybe, maybe when you're in that kind of rut where you're just trying to get from point A to point B and back again, and, and then replicate the journey, maybe when you have that kind of mentality, you're not aware of the problem that's really bedeviling you and crippling your company and going to shorten the the longevity of your band. That until you have the 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 vantage point, you know the the people around you, you can identify a problem, Harlan, better than other people can.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I I think that's a that's a fair point. Uh, you know, they say that knowledge is everything. Uh, I, I actually. I actually don't believe that a hundred percent. I think that there there are other things at play, but I think that knowledge is the gateway to succeeding at everything. Right? It's not the it's not the totality of success, but it's the gateway towards success. And I think this is this is you know we do three things super well at Chargeback Nine One One: dispute prevention. Which is preventing chargebacks from happening in the first place? Dispute response—that is, we are responding to disputes as they come in. Uh, used to be called representments, but we're responding to them to recover money that has been lost as a result of chargebacks wrongly filed against them. And then finally, dispute intelligence, and that's the knowledge base. It's not just the knowledge of what the the brighter the broader world of chargebacks you know, are, are, are creating that's consortium data, but it's really about how your data as a merchant or as an acquirer or whatever relates to your peers in, in your industry. So it could be in the ticketing industry or airlines or whatever it is that, that intelligence, that knowledge, that data has to be leveraged on behalf of the client in order to improve their business make them more efficient make them more uh, customer friendly and 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 solve problems that they're creating for themselves all of these things come together under one roof right if you're not preventing your chargebacks you're not knowing what could have been right if you prevent a chargeback that might have gone to 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 uh, to a regular chargeback so you're you're preventing it in the complaint stage before it's a chargeback if you prevent it Guess what didn't happen? You didn't lose your money. You didn't have to fight back for money you already earned. Da da da. Right? So prevention—you got to start there. But it doesn't stop there because when the case comes in, then you got to respond to it. And if you don't respond to it, you're just going to keep getting the same problems. You're not going to understand what what's causing that. It what's your fault? What's fraud? What's the you know the merchant's fault? Any of that kind of thing, right? So you have to understand that. And then finally, this intelligence, this this data has to be analyzed. There has to be a BI tool. And we have BI tool that is amazing. That BI tool can tell you, okay, this is a symptom of a bigger problem. You're getting a lot of refunds. Guess what? You might have a customer service problem here. You might have a, a gateway timeout that's that's, that's preventing your refunds from going through. And, and if you learn from that knowledge, that intelligence, guess what's going to happen? You're going to improve. You're going to be more profitable, more successful. And, and your customers, That and I, I want to say this very clearly, the cardholders are going to be much happier with you because if you're making customer service errors, yeah, the lifetime value of your customer just got cut by 80%. Right. if you're if you're ticking them off yeah if you need to know that and so our, our objective always is to help people and if we help people what's the old saying if you help uh, people you, you success is sure to follow
1: so that's that's my that's my life brother <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good life man you're, you're' you're the colonel Tom Parker of retail you're the man protecting the band I love it I enjoy it. I think it's great. And and uh, you know and just like if you're in a band and and you turn down a you know like someone offers you a song you turn it down another band will you know put it out there and become a huge hit you can quantify how much money you throw away by rejecting uh, 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 for chargeback yeah, management if if you don't pay attention to the help that's being offered to you I mean it's right there in a spreadsheet and unless you don't like making money and being profitable it might be something you want to pay attention to because together with the right chargeback management company we can make beautiful music together together. together. Amen to that. Good stuff, buddy. Well, very cool. Well, any, any other words of wisdom about chargeback fraud, fintech protection, uh, the, the Beatles, uh, Harlan, do you want to attack Paul McCartney anymore? Haven't you done (laughs) enough to Paul McCartney?
0: (laughs) I I actually think I've, 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 uh, I've, I've sang his praises. I love Paul McCartney. (laughs) I love his music and, and, uh, but you know what? I think, I think, I think in the end, we're all uh, we're all trying to, you know, sing our song. We're all trying to live in a way that expresses uh, most accurately who we are, what we think, how we live, and uh, you know that that uh, that has been true for me uh, through my life, through music, through uh, producing shows, through uh, developing technology, through working with this great company. Uh, I just want to be an expression of of who I am uh, to help in the process. And if we do that, Scott, to be quite honest with you, we 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 can be content with 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 what we're doing in our lives. And that's that's really just part of how
1: life is. I love it, Harlan. I'm waving my lighter back and forth while you're talking. I want to. You... <laughs> hey. Listen, I thank you for joining the show. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to Thought Leadership and the FinTech Revolution. We hope you enjoyed our trek down the FinTech wormhole. We'll be back in one month and maybe even before that. Now go make money, everyone. Rock and roll. Bye.